The following program is presented by the Far East Broadcasting Company because stories of people living out the gospel with their lives inspire all of us. FEBC, taking Christ to the world through radio and new media. Learn more at febc.org. Why were you born? I didn't know how to answer it. I knew I was called. I knew there was a purpose. So I told her about this dream of a hospital ship for Africa. She gave me a great gift right there. She didn't laugh at me. And you'll learn the context for that statement now as we meet the founder of Mercy Ships, Don Stevens, in just a moment on this week's First Person. I'm Wayne Shepherd, and I invite you to hear the story of a farm boy who started an international ministry on the seas. If you are not accustomed to listening to First Person on the radio, or if you ever miss one of our interviews, I'm happy to say they are all archived online for listening. You can even download interviews to listen to at your convenience as a podcast from many podcast platforms. Go to firstpersoninterview.com for more information. And while you're online, take a moment to go to febc.org, the website for the Far East Broadcasting Company. I also host a daily program called FEBC Today with Ed Cannon, and you can listen to those at febc.org. Don Stevens is the founder of Mercy Ships. You may recall several years ago when this ministry was featured on 60 Minutes. Don will talk more about that in a moment. This interview was recorded just before the present pandemic was discovered. But because Mercy Ships is primarily a surgical outfit, they are not in a position to help with COVID-19, but are standing by if the need arises. They are based in Lindale, Texas. And as we began to talk, I pointed out to Don the obvious that Lindale is nowhere near the ocean. Well, we're about 300 miles from the coast, which the closest for us is the Texas coast. (laughs) But uh, the family, a Swiss family, incidentally, that did the original feasibility study, tactical plan, deployment plan, cost-benefit analysis for the first ship are from Switzerland. And Henry, Henri Andre, said to me, Don, you don't need to be in a port city. They ran a shipping fleet, Swiss Atlantic. So they said the port cities is where the most expensive real estate, the highest cost of living. What you need is good access to air travel mm-hmm. and telecommunication. So okay. we have two intercontinental airports, Houston and Dallas, for crew moving back and forth. And uh, we found rural East Texas. It's not the buckle of the Bible belt, but we certainly have a lot of God-fearing people in the area. I understand. Well, for those who don't know about Mercy Ships, let's begin to tell the story. But before we even go there, tell me about your story. What did you do before Mercy Ships? Well, I'm not all that interesting. I grew up in in the rugged mountains of western Colorado, farming and ranching family, 1,000 miles from the ocean, But I've known since family devotions on a regular basis around our couch where mom primarily would read us Bible stories and then we'd have prayer, that that God had a call on my life. Um, I've never known a time when I was not aware that there was some purpose. I didn't know what it was. You know, the call takes a while. For me, it took a long time for me to get it clear. Hmm. Uh, And I was living in Switzerland, working with Youth of the Mission at the time. 
I had a big title and no job description. Do you know what that's like? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Other duties as assigned. That's right. Yeah, I, I know it well. <laughs> but it gave me the opportunity to travel the world and seeing the needs in Africa reconfirmed a Life magazine feature article that came to my rural mailbox when I was, I think, nine, maybe 10 or 11 years old. And when you opened that Life magazine, there was a picture of ships. And what at one time, the U.S. government, foreign policy, they were considering having the great white fleet. Hmm. One would be a university ship, one would be an agricultural ship, one would be a trade ship, so everything from electricity, carpentry, welding, whatever it is, trades, electronics, I'm sure. And one would be a hospital ship. Mm-hmm. Well, only the hospital ship ever developed, and it was called the Hope. And many people remember the SS Hope. I remember as a boy, thousand miles from the ocean, the impact that the printed and visual had on me. And I think that's when the seeds were planted. That's a great story. God can use Life Magazine <laughs> or Time Magazine yeah. or uh, 60 Minutes. He can use any of us. And I think that's the great story of Mercy Ships right. is the hand of God uh, that we see. Uh, some of the listening audience will remember seven years ago, 60 Minutes. It was powerful. Yeah, I, I remember it clearly. Well, it was a game changer for us. It really was. We were relatively unknown, and overnight, we began to get emails, phone calls, information. Within, I th- it was Sunday night, I think it was Monday, or maybe it was Tuesday, we, our office had a call from a viewer in California that said, my boss is a, a trader in Wall Street, futures trader, and I, he, I was already planning to call you, and he said, call him, I want to find out more about this organization that came out, did their due diligence, looked at our finances, talked to board members, looked at what we're doing in Africa, and said, we'd like to give you $10 million mm. for your new ship. This was after the 60 Minutes piece. After aired. 60 Minutes. So it's that's amazing. the kind of attention it brought to your ministry. Yeah, now, not everybody could have that <laughs> deep, yeah. deep of pockets. But even the general awareness of Mercy Ships just zoomed, didn't it? It, it helped, it, absolutely. It helped our recruiting, n- nurses. Uh, still today... Seven years later, I meet people who say the first time I was aware of Mercy Ships was the 60 Minutes, yeah. Scott Pelley and Henry Schuster and what yeah. they did. I can see some of those images in my mind right now from that. It was a, it was a good piece. You can't, you can't buy that kind of publicity, so to speak, right? No. What's, you know, what would be the value if you had to, an advertising? <laughs> it was a God thing. It really was. Yeah, that's just one of the signature miracles of God that he kind of puts his name on, right? Well, I didn't start out a convinced Calvinist. I was more of the, uh, I, you know, I think young people can tend to think that the decision that they have to make, they own it totally and it's mm-hmm. so important for them to make it. But when they look back on life, as I do now, God was in every one of you those. see the hand of the Lord. Oh, and thank the Lord that he was the one that was, had his hand on the helm. Otherwise, I don't know where we'd be. Yeah. I want to take you back, though, to being a child and feeling this call, even though you didn't know what it would entail. I talked to a lot of people. That I mean, that's sort of my story as well for radio. I was a child when I knew I wanted to be in radio, but I had no idea what form that would take or what opportunities there were. I just, you know, if I stood in front of a campfire at summer camp and 
committed my life to Christ, it was always, I'm going to serve the Lord in radio, but I had no concept. It's similar for you, huh? You know, it, for me, a long, for a long time, it bothered me that I have a framework. How and why would God call a boy from the rural western Colorado to begin and, and lead a ship ministry, a hospital ship, serving Africa? And when Norway was celebrating, the country of Norway, celebrating its 1,000th anniversary of the arrival of Christianity, the bishop of the Lutheran Church in Stavanger did some research on my mother's so I'm 50% Norsky. And in Stavanger, there is a wooden church that was, I think the name in Norwegian, I can't pronounce it, means the Islanders Church. It's where those who were on this farming island off of Stavanger would get in their boats and sail over the short distance for Sunday morning worship. That's where my records are found, at least some of them. Mm-hmm. And that church was instrumental, not the key that began, but instrumental in building the first ever mission ships to sail from Scandinavia to Africa. Hmm. The first one was called the Ely Ezer, and I think there were five or six subsequent ships. What does that tell you? This is what it told me. I can't prove it. I don't have a document, <laughs> but I believe it. Hmm. That my forebears, and it's, it's emotional for me to even talk about it still, my forebears must have prayed for their children's children. Mm-hmm. As I think that's the only framework that helps me, that God is a prayer-answering God, and he watches over those prayers yeah. down to, Scripture says, the, down to the thousandth generation. Well, I'm not that far away. but uh, <laughs> So I we need to be praying a, for our children and grandchildren to come. Absolutely, and we must do it on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. What were some of the other life steps that you look back on and see God's hand in shaping what you do now? A key catalytic moment was when I was 32 and I was visiting a university classmate of mine in Calcutta, India, Dr. Ron Shaw. He's an Anglo-Indian, one of those brilliant minds, very articulate. And we were in classes together in university and he invited me to spend 10 days in Calcutta And while there, somehow, I don't remember who, I don't think it was me, said, well, wouldn't it be wonderful to meet Mother Teresa? You know, there are only, what, 10, 12, I don't know how many million people in Calcutta today. And we didn't know that the hospital where he was the administrator was the hospital that cared for the people of Calcutta that Mother Teresa was responsible for. Now, I grew up in an evangelical family. My father wouldn't even let me date a Catholic. <laughs> and so here I'm in Calcutta with, and, he, and Ron came to me and he said, Don, I've got the meeting arranged for you with Mother Teresa tomorrow morning, 7 a.m. An actual meeting. Actual meeting, face to face. Well, I was petrified. <laughs> what, what are you going to say? How, how do you prepare to meet with Mother Teresa? Fast forward and seven o'clock we're in the meeting we're seating as close as this a little closer and there were two other people mother Teresa had a sister with her and my friend was to the right of me and I got my questions out that I'd spent much of the night working on and mother Teresa pushed my hand with the questions away you know after the introductions and everything I I wanted to ask how did you begin and she said I will not answer another question about me I've actually prayed for this meeting and I want to ask you questions. 
Well, if, if I was nervous before, I was scared now. <laughs> <laughs> and this was life-changing. Over the years, it became more and more critical. Because I had this dream. I'd actually written it out on a, on a legal pad. But that's all. Three questions. Why were you born? Where's your pain? And what are you doing about it? Mm. Why were you born? I didn't know how to answer it. It goes back to, you had a sense of a call when you were a boy. I knew it was called. I knew there was a purpose. So I told her about this dream of a hospital ship for Africa. Hmm. She gave me a great gift right there. She didn't laugh at me. You know, so often, if we're not careful, we can laugh at other people's dreams. And they never are materialized. It can be a turning point. She didn't laugh. She said something like, I mean, that's 44 years ago. I can't tell you exactly what it was, but it was like, this. that's a big dream. Second question, where's your pain? Well, in western Colorado, men don't talk about pain. That's where I grew up. They don't, Texans certainly don't talk about pain, <laughs> the men. And she said, her theology, and I've come to sense that and read you know, there are many leading evangelical authors, C.S. Lewis is a problem of pain, on and on and on. But she said, my theology is that God often uses pain as a preparation for purpose. How true. So she said, that's a big vision, big dream. Where's your pain? In a moment, we'll learn how those questions started mercy ships through Don Stevens. That's ahead on First Person. I so enjoyed listening to the message that FEBC shared on the internet recently, although I cannot attend church or any meetings during this epidemic. I am finding peace and learning so much through your programs. Praise the Lord. FEBC is dedicated to taking Christ to the world through radio and new media. To learn more, please visit febc.org. That's febc.org the Far East Broadcasting Company, until all have heard. Talking with Don Stevens, I don't know the actual title, President, CEO of Mercy Ships. I'm the founder, founder. and I, I'm the President Emeritus. Okay. You know what that means. Okay. Uh, yeah, <laughs> We're going to talk more about what Mercy Ships does, but a moment ago we left off with you meeting with Mother Teresa in Calcutta, which was, which was a big moment in your life that, that God used to confirm the call on your life. So pick up the story. When the question was, where is your pain? We have four children. My wife and I have four children, a daughter and three boys. The middle boy was born special needs. He wasn't very old. He was a little more than a year old. And any young parent, that's the sort of your pain if you have a special needs child born into your family. What am I going to do? What are we going to do? John Paul is nonverbal. He's, as I mentioned, 44 years ago. He's now in his 45th year. He has four signs. He can sign his name, eat, drink, and uh, we call it the get with the program sign. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know what's the future for John Paul. How's this going to affect it? Anyway, that was my pain. And that was her answer. And it was really helpful. The third one, what are you doing about it? Well, when I came back home when I was talking to my wife about the trip and about the meeting, I said, Mother Teresa said, 
What am I doing about my dream? Dion knew it, shared it. So I started to look for ships. And it's, it's like if you grow up in Kansas or Western Colorado, Switzerland doesn't have any oceanfront either. <laughs> it goes back to what you said. Our office is a long way from the ocean. <laughs> and I started to look for ships. And we found a ship in Italy, negotiated with the Italian government, and we were able to purchase it for a million dollars. Now, that's history. That's the rearview mirror. Let's look out the windscreen and look to the future. Mm-hmm. If we look at planet Earth, get a picture of the globe, there are almost 8 billion, with a B, billion people on our planet today. And if we could draw a diagram of that 8 billion, a socioeconomic diagram, a pyramid, so with that pyramid, the top 2, 3, 4, 5% would be the United States, Canada, Western nations, Western Europe, Australia, New Zealand. But the bottom billion, so the, the base mm-hmm. of that pyramid, 8 billion pyramid, 93% live in sub-Saharan Africa. Mm. Now, what does it mean to be born? I'm going to repeat that for emphasis. 93% of the bottom billion live in sub-Saharan Africa. Well, that tells me it's the highest area of the world with maternal infant mortality. Mothers or babies, one doesn't survive the birth process. It tells me if you're a male, your life expectancy is 48, 49 if you're female in the mid-50s. It tells me you have the least access to healthcare delivery systems, the least access to what in Mercy Ships we call hope and healing. The two hands of the gospel, the one hand of the articulation, the verbalizing of what it is to follow Jesus and know Jesus, and the other is the physical, where we're doing the acts of mercy. Well, we found that ship negotiated with the Italian government. The Union Bank Switzerland loaned us the money. Almost all of the, well, not quite a million, nine hundred and some thousand dollars. It took a lot of faith on your part to. It took a lot of sign faith that note, on, huh? <laughs> on their part as well. Yeah, right. Because <laughs> we didn't have a track record, and I'd met with about a dozen banks, and the banks would say, "You have a maritime background? No. Are you a maritime are you a captain, navigator? No. Do you are you from a family with wealth? No. And you want us to do what? <laughs> so let's go back to the future." Focusing on the needs in Africa. I want to answer our approach, but I want to do it through our mission, vision, and values. If you have a clear mission, vision, and values, there's hope for your future. Our mission, vision statement is, Mercy Ships follows the 2,000-year-old model of Jesus, bringing hope and healing to Africa's poor. Now, why did we put in there the 2,000-year-old model of Jesus? Because there are a lot of people running around the world claiming to be Jesus. We want to make sure it's the historical Jesus of Nazareth. He's our model. Let's go to our values. Our methods are already there. Hospital ships, the area is Africa. Our, our um, values are four, and they're simple. And you'll see that straight from the New Testament in Jesus as well. When the Pharisees ask him, what's the greatest commandment because they were trying to trick him up we all remember this passage how did he answer first commandment the greatest is love the lord your god with all your heart mind soul and strength and the second 
is likened to the first, love your neighbor as yourself. Those are our first two values. Thirdly, be a people of excellence. We believe our God is excellent. His creation is excellent. We've messed it up, but he created it to withstand all kinds of things. And fourthly, be a people of integrity. Because at the end of our lives, if we don't have integrity, we don't have much. So that basis, focus on Africa, 10, 20, 30-year horizon, I like to think in the future, every one of those African port cities will have a cadre, I don't know how big it will be, 10, 500 perhaps, of nurses, doctors, anesthesia providers, healthcare practitioners that were trained on board our hospital ship, a mercy ship, and got to see what it's like to follow the model of Jesus as you serve and care for others. That has the potential of changing the future of Africa. You, you use volunteers uh, to, to staff mercy ships, correct? Yes, and that's you put your finger on our greatest need. We're going to take delivery of our second and the first ever, our second ship, the biggest hospital ship ever built. Built from scratch. Built from scratch, purpose-built, purpose-designed. One of the things, it's not the size that's so important, it's how it's equipped. It has unbelievable equipment simulators. So if you're going to be a jet pilot, how do you learn to be a jet pilot? In a simulator. In a simulator. Well, the same, you can do. learn to do eye surgeries with a simulator, all of these other complicated surgeries, telemedicine, the teachers, the professors may be in the major cities of the world, but the classroom is on board our hospital ship. That is scalable, and that will help change Africa. Give me just one number of the impact of Mercy Ships before we have to leave. Well, we've done 100,000 surgeries, but the total number of people impacted is north of 3 million. And that's going to continue, by God's grace. I think there's a multiplication factor that will be enormous. Double the hope, twice the mercy, with the bringing on of a second hospital ship, even better outfitted than the first. Hmm. All right, let's go full circle. Back to Colorado. You're a young man. You couldn't have designed this life for yourself, could you? There is, no, I, I wouldn't have known where to begin. I look back again at the sovereign hand of God, where he is there preventing us from making some decisions that would have changed our future, encouraging us, nudging us, whispering softly, often with that still small promptings and silent promptings of the Holy Spirit that this is the way you should go. No, I couldn't have imagined it. And that is the story. The people we talk with here on First Person, responding to God's leading will take you to places you cannot dream you would ever go. Our First Person guest has been Don Stevens, the founder and president emeritus of Mercy Ships, and we'll put a link to the ministry at firstpersoninterview.com. You can also read their COVID-19 update statement there on their website. Again, the link at firstpersoninterview.com. One more thing, please take time to visit febc.org to learn more about the ministry of the Far East Broadcasting Company during the coronavirus pandemic. There are reports and items for prayer found at febc.org. And thank you for praying for the radio and internet programs which are offering help in the hope of the gospel to millions. Again, that's febc.org. 
Now, with thanks to my friend and producer, Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepherd. Join us next time for First Person.